Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Josh Soloway. He's the CEO of Ethicstream. Josh, welcome to the show. Right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you. So, Josh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, my background is uh, generally in entrepreneurship, but by, by training, I'm uh, an attorney and invested uh, banker. I've uh, worked in a variety of industries from technology uh, to real estate to uh, climate tech, basically. Yeah, so that brings you here to Ethicstream. So talk to me a little bit about Ethicstream. So Ethicstream is a... Um, a really full service sort of one-stop shop for sustainability professionals, frankly, for companies to meet and, and address their uh, sustainability uh, needs, specifically with respect to emissions. So everybody, every company has emissions, every company is an emitter, every person is an emitter of carbon. And so uh, there's increasing pressure, as you've probably seen in the news and read about. Um, there's increasing pressure on really all companies and executives to uh, to achieve sort of carbon neutrality. You may hear is it net zero, carbon neutral, et cetera. But it's really about balancing your emissions because at the end of the day, there are only two ways to get to net zero, right? You either cut your emissions or you buy carbon offsets. Carbon offsets have become pretty controversial, um, particularly in recent weeks even. But at the end of the day, unless everybody wants to go back to, you know, just walking, not even just talking about riding bikes, bikes have to get produced. Production for Creo and to Jerry's Carbon. Getting the bike to the bike shop creates carbon. You know, driving to the bike shop generates carbon. So all of this, uh, it's highly unlikely that we're going to slash our way to zero carbon emissions. And for any business to get to a net zero, it they would have to shrink their business into essentially non-existence. So forget it. Not even just, they would have to forget about growth. Because there's no growth. They would have to, and that's just to stay even. But the cut to net zero would require cutting all emissions, which basically would be really impossible. Now, that being said, um, there are obviously technologies being developed all over the place, which we're very supportive of, which are part of the solution to cut emissions and in various businesses, you know, uh, in industries, in every industry, people are focused on that in some fast, to some extent, in some fashion. So we, but the other piece is buying offsets. So it's really a combination Right, cut, try and cut as much as you can while still, you know, growing your business and expanding your business, mm -hmm. right, your business and buy offsets. So that's where Ethicstream really comes in. So we we are working with companies to figure out what their exposure is, help them to develop and implement a plan to address their emissions exposure, and to achieve their emissions goals um, in terms of balancing. And actually sourcing those those carbon offsets for them, the carbon credits. There's a there's a nuance between carbon credits and offsets that I will bore you with right now, but but essentially that's what we're talking about. And um, we are able to provide, uh, and this speaks to the controversy around 
uh, carbon offsets, particularly forest-based, nature-based offsets, um, which uh, yeah, there is a European Commission report 2016 that said 85% of forest projects um, won't live up to their claims in terms of carbon sequestration, carbon capture. Uh, and then there was an article in The Guardian just the last couple of weeks about uh, which really, which really took a hard shot at at the whole carbon offsetting industry, saying, you know, that uh, that these credits are bogus, that it's not really, I mean, it's not additive to the problem. You know, it doesn't really remove carbon that wouldn't have been anyway. That's a whole other concept I can get into later. But um, but the 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 bottom line is we have a relationship with a company called Carbon Ethic, which is developing one of the largest forest-based carbon offset projects in the world at about 4.2 million hectares, so roughly the size of Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, and it's in it's in British Columbia, uh, Canada. So they are not only developing the largest project, but developing um, a project that is uh, in partnership with, in, with indigenous groups there um, that have really been disenfranchised for, well, forever. Uh, and splitting the economics with them, fifty-one, you know, fifty-one percent goes to the uh, to the indigenous, nineteen percent goes back into the land, at the care for the forest and improve the health of the forest, and then um, you know the extra thirty percent obviously goes to the, the company itself. Um, but what that what they're also doing is developing uh, what what could be regarded as the most advanced forestry, technologically advanced forestry company in the world. Um, so developing technologies to address the issues of transparency, verification, actually what happened, what actually got, what carbon actually got pulled out of the atmosphere and sequestered, I say sequestered, uh, you know, and, and that's been the big issue is measurement, transparency, there are ways to cheat. Uh, a lot of project developers do that, some innocently, relatively, and some, you know, nefariously, surely. Um, but uh, Carbon Ethic has been on on a real mission to address that issue through technology. Um, so they they've raised about six million dollars to date, and um, have deployed that to develop to advance the project, their initial project, um, develop technology uh, to to better uh, monitor and improve the health of forests and better. And just generate better credits, and then also another company, Carbotanics, under under Carbonetic, has uh, is focused on digitizing those credits so that they're on blockchain, so they're really there's this immutable ledger and all that. Anyway, that's what they're doing. What that means for Ethicstream is we have an arrangement that uh, where we're we've entered into an LOI, and we'll be moving to material agreements here shortly, um, and that is uh, that arrangement enables us to buy. 10% to of their production mm-hmm. at a significant discounts of up to 30%. So we lock in a premium, uh, you know, which is great for our investors or for our business and for our clients, because we can then provide attractive price, attractively priced mm-hmm. top tier quality credits mm-hmm. uh, that they can actually trust. So when you're a sustainability officer at a company, you know, well, let me just talk about that for a minute. We think that's a really challenging position to be in. You look at the sustainability officer and you say, wow, okay. Some people might think, oh, okay, because she gig. But it's actually really challenging because 
a lot of these people, they're not trained at all things carbon. And they're now being told, well, you're responsible for getting us to net zero. And now here's your budget. They say, well, uh, everything I'm reading says this stuff is pretty unreliable. You know, uh, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to turn left and yeah. buy on credits. I don't want to turn right and not like credits because I have to do my job. So it's actually really difficult. So we're really trying to be uh, a resource to those folks where they find, where they can build really solid practical plans and then they get actually access trustworthy, verifiable credits. And with the tech that we're, uh, between the tech we're developing and the tech we're licensing for carbon ethic, they can stand there with the dashboard and say, here's exactly what I bought. Here's how much carbon was sequestered. Here are the trees. Here's the whole, and they can really you know, show their investors, their board members, their CEOs, their clients that this is what they did and this is their commitment to sustainability. Yeah, yeah. So how can you help businesses, like talk to me the ways that you're able to, you know, advise and, you know, help them choose and secure these these carbon credits? Well, the first piece is, you know, getting a handle on their exposure, right? So we'll be developing technology to give them, through a combination of developing and licensing, technology that will a tech stack that enables them to sort of get a basic footprint initially of what their exposure is. That's mm-hmm. the first. Mm-hmm. Then we have a team of consultants and advisors that are really, um, that are really industry leaders in the space for doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. Our chief sustainability officer, Jacques Prescott has been in the sustainability industry since, uh, since that was very, very little. Uh, he's been around it for a long time. And, uh, he, bring, he has really brought to bear some incredible talent. Um, you know, from Ricardo Valentini, who's one of the, uh, he was the lead author on the IPCC report that won the 2007 Nobel Prize um, on climate, for its work on climate change. Uh, he's brought in uh, Claude Milneu, who helped to write the carbon credit qualification standards, the ISO standards for Canada. Uh, so we have real experts, you know, to bring in to help advise a to qualify that yes these this is a viable project that you're getting these credits from b yeah it really meets the specs etc and then we have a host of other uh, you know uh, people that we're bringing in to mm-hmm. to advise on sort of how to implement you know, what the what the plan should look like and how to implement it and then how to actually source those credits which again we're able to source directly from our partner now in some instances of course uh those won't be the right credits for a particular client. Um, they may have a project in Malaysia and may want to source for their reasons for this, but may want to source their credit from, from Asia or from that region, um, project over there. So we, we have relationships in the industry and those, those are always evolving and expanding. And, um, we over time will be providing similar forms of, of, uh, the, financing really what we provide to carbon ethic is a form of financing right? we mm-hmm. we get the discount because we pay them at a portion in advance mm-hmm. so we pre-purchase a portion of their credits and then they get money to fund their project it's not dilute of equity it's not debt so it's a nice efficient yeah. capital source for them uh to to fund their project we do we'll be doing the same with their you know, partners in other regions yeah so Talk to me a little bit about the the trouble and the problems that your clients have before they start working with Ethic Stream and in um, carbon carbon ethic. 
Well, I mean, it's it's it currently it's really evolving. Currently, it's mostly at least in the U.S. It's voluntary, right? People mm-hmm. uh, aren't mandated per se to balance their emissions, um, not not legally. Uh, in Canada, it's a carbon tax. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and other jurisdictions around the world are rolling out a carbon tax. The SEC here in the U.S. The SEC is has proposed just uh, you, you know um, uh, disclosure requirements mm-hmm. for any company, a public company certainly, to to be required to disclose their emissions mm-hmm. in the same fashion they would disclose their financials, mm-hmm. and um, that certainly seems to be in place to to be setting the stage for uh, a. You know, a situation where all these companies will have to disclose their emissions. Now, that's unlikely to be. Hey, good, good job. You disclosed your your emissions. That'll be all. I don't think that's where this is headed, right? I mean, that's not the idea. Surely, it's headed to. And now, what are you doing? About it? Now you're going to be. It's it's a perfect um, setup to roll out carbon taxes, or at the very least, for institutions. Uh, such as BlackRock, you know, Larry Fink has been pushing for sustainable mm-hmm. sustainability requirements as a, as a gateway, as a threshold that has to be met before investment goes into any of these companies. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, large asset managers, so mm-hmm. you have to pay attention when he says that. Yeah. Uh, so that's a problem that is coming their way, uh, any public company. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have other client, other companies that, Maybe not public, but they're selling into a supply chain, mm-hmm. right? Um, and their largest partners or clients or even vendors are requiring that they demonstrate their sustainability, right? And that they're, you know, what their carbon footprint looks like mm-hmm. and how they're addressing it. And so it's it's increasingly becoming a problem for, mm-hmm. for companies even companies you wouldn't think of. Right. Because a lot of people say, well, okay, fine, I'm not public. What do I care if the SEC requires disclosure for public companies? It doesn't matter to me. Well, if you're selling into a supply chain that, you know, where where that's required or to big companies that are under the microscope, mm-hmm. um, then then it is an issue. Mm-hmm. And forget we don't get too technical with scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions, but the further you get down the chain, the more... Uh, companies and people are affected so like you said it's not mandated yet so talk to me a little bit about how Ethicstream is able to differentiate itself from its competition in this kind of growing field we looked at at some streaming companies out in the market and look all we say competitors this is a problem that requires a lot of solutions and sort of all options on the table right it's big problem for everybody who wants to live on this planet. So, you know, which, you know, probably is everybody. Um, barring, barring a few folks who, who are very enamored of going to Mars. I, I like it. Um, but, uh, you know, not saying a backup plan is not a good thing to have. But it's just pretty good about a life here. Um, but, you know, I think the, it, it requires all solutions. So there are companies coming out to do to, to be sort of streaming companies. So what that means is, again, as I said before, you know, if I'm a streaming company and you're a project developer, you know, you have a project that's going to generate some carbon credits 
and I'm going to come to you and say, okay, that looks like a good project. I'll buy X percent of your production. I'll get you, you know, Y percent out front and you'll take that and use that to develop your project. I get the credits at a discount for a certain period of time or maybe the whole life of the project. Mm-hmm. And that's a great, it's like a win-win, right? Because I get the projects at a, the, the credits at a discount. You get to advance your project. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we found looking at some of the streaming companies that were out there is, well, they were coming to the market, raising a lot of money from investors and, but they didn't have a project. Mm-hmm. It was really an idea purely. And so, and, and, and surely some, some, you know, experience execs and all that, a good, you could manage what teams or what have you, but they then in some cases ran around for quite a while yeah. trying, you know, spending money and trying to find a project, trying to find a good project. And they didn't, you know, whereas we first started with, well, we can come to the market with a project in hand and not just any project. We come to the market with the highest quality credits you know, that, you know, that are available on the market in a friendly jurisdiction, i.e. Canada, and with tremendous community, what we call community benefits or social benefits for indigenous groups, right? Or these, if we're, if that project is anywhere near successful, it will be the largest private wealth transfer to an indigenous group in Canadian history. Wow. And, and so that's a pretty massive and very much a motivating factor. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, so there's all that. And then on top of that, the scale of that project is is enormous, right? We're talking about uh, anywhere from generating, you know, 16 million credits total as a baseline before we even do any improved forest management. Um, now, there are requirements that you have to have some of that in a buffer account. So, say you have 12 million, 10 to 12 million of saleable credits. That's a lot of volume a year. Uh, and, and, you know, you, want, you look in the in, in the industry news and you'll see big fanfare about, you know, projects that will generate a few hundred thousand credits a year mm-hmm. at considerable cost. Mm-hmm. So the project economics are incredibly attractive and which is great because it means obviously it's more likely to get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a big differentiating factor for us. Yeah. We have this tremendous partnership that gives us access to a top tier quality of credits at massive scale with a pipeline of similar projects behind it of roughly 10 million hectares, behind a 4.2 million hectare project, um, comparable sort of project profiles, uh, leading technology, all of that to provide, you know, a complementary commitment to total transparency uh, and accountability in bringing that those, those elements to the carbon mm-hmm. space so that our clients can trust what they're buying. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you think that accountability and transparency is so important? Well, because when you look at the issues in the latest Guardian article, sort of an expose, and um, the critiques of the carbon sort of offsetting space, particularly within the forest and nature-based solution space, uh, the, the problem is a lot of these projects aren't living up to their claims. So they come out, they use faulty formulas or, or faulty data, or they make uh, crazy assumptions, or they use, they analogize or extrapolate from project areas or from areas that are 
supposedly close by or representative of what you would expect this project to look like. But in actuality, they're totally different. There are a lot of different factors, but it get away with a lot of these things. Um, even though there are registries like Barra BCS and, you know, uh, you know, gold standard and others that are trying to impose these standards and are, but you know, it's hard. There, there, there are a lot of ways to cheat or make errors. Let's put it that not cheat. Right. And, um, oftentimes the incentives are there to do so, whether it's, cheating or just making erroneous assumptions and calculation. And so as a result, a lot of these projects don't end up sequestering the carbon that they were supposed to sequester or that they claimed they would sequester. And as a result, you know, it casts a, a lot of doubt on the whole industry. Yeah. Now, truthfully, everybody, you know, since those articles came out, people come to groups like us and they say, oh, well, you know, that whole industry, it does, you know, it's, it's, it's really getting panned at the problem. We say, well, actually we think it's good for us yeah, because it, it only proves what we've been saying since the beginning. We have purpose built yeah, both carbon ethic and ethics training to address those very issues. In your experience, what would you say the biggest misconception about carbon ethic, you know, car- carbon credits, what would you say the biggest misconception you've seen is? Well, I, it's a, it's a great question, if only because it gives me a, a chance to attack a concept that I really, uh, that I think is uh, overweighted, let's put it that way. Okay. You look at the Guardian article and you look at a lot of, even, even project crediting, ex, you know, project qualification experts, uh, there's this concept called additionality. And what that essentially means, to, to put it in very basic terms, is, is the project adding anything to to sort of address the carbon problem right the amount of carbon in the atmosphere so what does that mean so if you have a a protected national park right then they might say what well, and you say oh well we're gonna do all we're, we're gonna take a project area that's within a national park mm-hmm. we're gonna protect these trees so they don't get logged and they don't get uh you know they don't get cleared for mining or whatever, uh, or development. And that these trees are going to take carbon out of the air, right? They're going to X amount of carbon a year. Well, you would say, well, yeah, the concept of, of additionality would say, well, that doesn't add anything because that was already a protected forest. You could log it if you wanted to. You could clear it for development if you wanted to. It's already protected. Now, fine, that's true in that case, but in a, there is a bit more complexity to it. Because if you take, let's say the Canadian forests, right, where our, where where carbon ethics project is, the the forests in Canada, Canada in total, its forests have been a net emitter of carbon for over twenty years. So that's kind of like a how could that be, right? Yeah. Well, we all might learn in grade school forests are made up of trees. Trees breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. How is it possible that they're emitting more carbon than they are taking it? Well, yeah, it's because they're not healthy, and they have, they're not well they're not well managed. So improved forest management means that we can enhance the sort of lungs of those trees, if you will, like the respiration of those trees, so that they breathe in more carbon and they emit more oxygen, as opposed to 
carbon. And why do they emit carbon? Because they're dying. So what is a tree but a carbon stick, essentially, right? So as it dies, it starts to release that carbon. And so you have this issue. So that's why going back to, you asked me what is the biggest you know, misconception in my view. It's not that additionality doesn't matter. It obviously does, but it's really overweighted in my view. Or at least it's not, a, it's not viewed with enough nuance. Okay. You will, right. Because people are saying, oh, it's already protected. Yeah. Leave the trees alone and they'll be fine. And they'll just sequester carbon. It's just not true. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I hadn't, I hadn't necessarily considered that. So I think that that may have been a misconception that I held as well. So I'm glad that you were able to kind of talk through that. That was really helpful. So Joshua, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with about, you know, ethics stream, carbon ethic, the importance of, you know, carbon credits at life? Well, I mean, I think the, we fundamentally believe both at ethics stream and carbon ethic that offsetting is carbon offsetting is a fundamental part of the solution Mm -hmm. that we don't have to go backwards in society and how we all live our lives right um to to address the issue Mm -hmm. uh that through combinations of the efficiency gains that we're gaining through technologies maybe i'm just an optimist but um but and through the the in improvement of the offsetting industry, we do recognize these issues, but we want to be a part of improving it. You can't just throw the baby out in the bathwater, as they say, right? You should just say, okay, these are issues. Yes. Yeah. Does it mean, you know, they, as they say, perfection is the enemy of progress, right? So you can't just say, oh, it's not perfect, not worth doing, right? We, did, we all really have to try to work harder to address the issue and bring solutions so that, um, so that we can we can meet this challenge that we're all facing. It's coming head on in us. So that's that's what I would say as far as um, you know my my sort of call to action here. Um, I would say uh, you know reach out to us if uh, if you're a company looking to sort of get some education or get some assistance with this problem or even just open source credits. Um, and uh, you know if you're an investor. Uh, be on the lookout. We'll have uh, we'll have a bunch of uh, exciting news coming out uh, that'll make this uh, opportunity available to to investors, which is and I mean everyday investors. Um, so, which is really exciting because th- it's not often in your life that you get to participate in a new commodity that you get to invest in a new commodity. Those don't come around very often. That's really what this is, um, and it's here for the long haul. So. You know, we hope people will will come and uh, join us and support us and um, and and drive some real change. Those are great, great call to actions, Joshua. So this has been a great conversation about carbon sourcing. I really appreciate all all of the education that you gave me. You certainly expanded my knowledge and my my brain as well. So I appreciate you being on Business Ninjas today. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hey. Are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io, W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E.io, and schedule a time to meet with us, and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.